strategies for stressful times. How to keep your tank full. How to keep your tank full instead of running on empty. Let's call our favorite speaker to speak to us this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that you have given to us. Thank you that he understands us and he knows how to teach us and tutor us. He understands how tired we are, distracted we are, or disillusioned we are. He knows how to get through to us. He knows the words, words to speak and the way to speak it. Father God, speak to us. We're listening. Thank you for the Spirit of God that has been given to us, for the Word of God that's in your hands. Let people leave here blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How to keep your tank filled instead of running on empty. We're a funny bunch. Somehow or the other, we have been trained in our Indian management system, Jugaad, and, you know, let's manage till the last minute, to kind of work till the last bit, leave it to the last minute, until we replenish, restock, etc., etc. Even the toothpaste. The toothpaste has to get to the very end. And we have to go into a mode of prayer, and squeezing that thing until the very last, and then we will begin to think about buying another one. Don't even mention the mug. You know what I'm talking about? That, you know, the computers change, insurance policies change, uh, you know, graduation happens, but that mug is still there in the... We don't want to change. When I was, a, when I was young, some of you would remember the Lambretta, Chetak, Vespa, those were the days, my friend, I thought. And we used to ride that around. We'll put 10 rupees petrol, 20 rupees petrol, right? And then when it goes down to, bo to the bottom, when it goes down to nothing, then you had this lever called reserve. Yeah? And then we'll switch to reserve because in the middle of the Delhi road, suddenly it'll and it'll come to a standstill. And everybody knows your situation. They, knows you, they know you've run out of gas. And then you switch to reserve and tell everybody, I'm switching to reserve. And you do the humble thing of bending, you switch to reserve, and then you play that out to its last drop. Some of you will feel the pain with me when I say, you get off the scooter and bend the scooter. Do you remember that? You bend the scooter so that the last bit goes and we finish it until we are finally walking to the petrol station. Why? Why, I ask, do we have to put ourselves in that situation? I picked up my Shogun, my brand new bike. And I was so excited about it, I forgot to fill fuel. And I had to, I ran out of gas, of course. Those years I was living in, uh, where was I living? I was think I was living in Satyaniketan or something like that. Yeah, Satyaniketan. And so I was, I was and I had, it had to run out of gas in front of JMZ. The Bible says the Lord knows how to humble his servants, right? So there I was with my brand new bike pushing it. We don't think about fuel. We don't think about refueling. We always want to go to the very end when the cupboard is empty, when the bank balance is absolutely empty. That's when we think about refueling. And I wonder why we are like that. Not so much that it's empty, but why are we like that? And why do we not love to be full, love to work on full, work with the Half a tank, a full tank. When do you actually fill fuel? Does it get to the bottom? Nothing. Or when it gets to, gets to half? What's your philosophy on this? 
even more important than fuel, even more important than physical energy, even more important than mental energy, is your soul. Your soul, your spirit, the real you, the you that's going to last forever in heaven, that you needs God's life in you. That's the you that God breathed life and Adam became a, li- became a living being. He became a living being. That's what sets us apart from the animals and everybody else because we have life within ourselves, and we were meant to have a full, replenished, healthy, filled soul. We talk about food for the soul. We talk about, uh, you know, replenishing the soul. We talk about, you know, being, being re- renewed, taking a break, meditation, all of these things. So we know. We know that our soul needs to be in good health for us to handle all the other problems. Can I get a good night's sleep when I'm very, very tired? Sure, I know how to do that. Can I get emotionally charged by going hang out with, my, with some of my friends, some laughter, a bit of stand-up comedy? Yeah, I know how to do that. Can I go earn some more money and replenish my account? Yeah, I know how to do that. But do I know how to feed my soul? Do I know that if my soul is healthy, then everything's going to be fine? I've heard of and I'm fascinated with the concept of mid-air filling a fuel for an aeroplane. That aeroplanes, and certain aeroplanes, perhaps carrying valuable goods or valuable people, can continue their flight and be fueled mid-air. You can run on full all the time. Can you also put me on the monitor, please, so that I don't scream? <coughs> you can fuel mid-air, and you can actually continue your journey without coming down. I find that fascinating. Why is it that we don't agree with or don't live up to or don't know how to stay full? You can get tired, run your battery down and replenish. You can get tired with your mind, have a good sleep and replenish. You can even recharge your spirit, sorry, your your emotions, but your soul needs to run on full. I'm going to say it one more time so that lands home. Your soul needs to run on full. It's like when I'm sitting at my, at my desk, at my computer, my desktop. If I'm sitting there and I'm being there at my desktop anyway, I might as well plug my phone in. Why should I my, use my phone? Why should I continue to use my phone on its battery when the life-giving force is right there? Do you get what I'm saying? So I always plug in and I leave it there. And it's always fully charged. And for the hours that I'm working or I'm studying or I'm whatever, it's on full. It runs on full. Only when it's necessary to go away from my desk do I run on battery. Ten reasons you run out of gas. Ten reasons you run out of fuel. Number one, not starting with a full tank. Because when you start with a full tank, you know how far you can go. Number two, being too busy to stop and refuel. Your life becomes so busy. Okay, next stop. Okay, next stop. Okay, we'll stop next time. Okay, I'll take a break next week. Okay, I'll take a break next... And it's always putting it off because you're too busy. Too many things happening in your life. And people have misjudged the value of of a good life by filling it with activity and hurriedness and people. Being too busy to stop and refuel. Number three, ignoring the owner's manual and pushing my car farther than it was created to go. When you buy a new thing, when you buy a new car, you get an owner's manual. And the owner's manual tells you how much fuel this car tank can fill. How much, how fast this car can go. But when you don't have the owner's manual and you drive it as you please, you drive it beyond its own capacity and you ignore the owner's manual. 
That is another reason we run out of gas. Number four, being unaware of hidden leaks that are draining me. Unaware of hidden leaks that are draining me. Situations in my life that I seem to put myself into. People in my life that drain me and drain my spirit of the energy, the strength, and the just endurance that I need to keep going. Being unaware of hidden leaks. Being in a hurry. Being in a hurry. People take, it's amazing. People are, they flatter themselves in the fact that they're always on the move, always on the move, jet-setting lifestyle. Oh no, you can't sustain that for too long. You can't sustain, you can't keep appointments back to back and think you can go on forever. No, being in a hurry is the faster you drive, the faster you're going to run out of fuel. Okay. Number six, not paying attention to my gauges, not looking at my dashboard and keeping an eye on how much petrol, how fast am I going, etc. Number seven is overloaded. Have you seen an Indian car with all the relatives in it? Like all the relatives in it. In other countries, they have some sort of rule about that. In India, there's no rule. On the trains, there are people on top of the train. Those years have passed, but that has been the case. Hanging on to the buses. And we just don't know where the limit is. And when you are carrying too much, you're going to burn fuel faster. Right? Number eight. Assuming the limits of my tank don't apply to me. I'm better than others. Somehow or the other, I'm going to push forward and make it happen. Number nine, not knowing where to find a filling station. Today, at least, we have GPS. Today, you have Google, Google Maps. And you can, just, you can just type in there, you know, nearest petrol station. And Bharat will come up and, you know, IP will come up and something or the other. And you'll be like, okay, there, turn, take a U-turn. But in the olden days... We didn't know where the fuel station was. And you'd have to work your way all the way to the end, get off and walk, and push all the way to the nearest. We don't know when to fill up. Remember, we're talking about our soul here. And we're taking the analogy of a car or a vehicle and being on full fuel and superimposing that on our lives. Lastly, number 10, not knowing how to refill my tank. Not knowing how to refill my tank. Not even knowing what fuel to put in my tank in order for me to run on. If there's one thing I want to just lay heavy, like really emphasize today is that when you are spiritually, your spirit is healthy, when your spirit has been fed, you can cope with every other area of your life far, far, far more better. Everything becomes easier. Criticism, criticism becomes easier to manage. Defeat and losses become easier to bear. Grieving becomes a normal process. Loving and forgiving becomes, it increases your capacity to do so when your spirit is doing okay. When your spirit is drained, when your spirit is not doing okay, when your inner being is is, is hungry and you don't know what to feed it and you can only compensate with physical indulgences and emotional overdrives when you are constantly on overload and you are drained that's when everything gets to you and you feel that everything is against you that's when you really feel devalued small and not watched over maybe you're in that position right now maybe you're listening to this message and saying, you know what, my whole life I need to think about. Or maybe there is a part of your life that has become unmanageable. 
Maybe your finances or maybe just your personal self-worth or maybe it's your past that you're dealing with or maybe it's the, the weight of your guilt. I don't know what part or parts you are working with today. But here is what Jesus says to you. Will you look at scripture? The words of Christ. Jesus said, if you are tired and carry heavy ladens, heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. If you are tired and carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in spirit. I am gentle and humble in spirit. And you will find what? Rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. For the yoke I share with you is easy to wear and it makes the Lord light. Let me break this up and give you four things to work with. Four encouragements, four thoughts, truths that you could work with. Maybe all four won't apply to you. But I suggest to you that you break this week up. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, take one on each day and meditate on it. Stick it up on your pin board, write it on your phone, put it, I don't know, do, put it somewhere where you are looking at it every day. Take one thing and work on it every day for this coming week. Number one, number one, until you get fed up, until you get to the point where you realize you're tired, realize you're out of it, realize you've run out of steam, until you get fed up of the situation and you're, you're done with the situation, you are not going to change. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? You're not going to change. You're not going to make any changes. You're not going to, you, you'll take every note and say, oh, that's some great life tips, great life tips. But you're not going to do anything because we are resistant to change. We are resistant to change. Solomon says, the Lord gave us a mind and a conscience so we cannot hide from ourselves. But sometimes it takes painful experiences to make us change our ways. Proverbs 20, 27. It's a good news version, but Proverbs 20, 27 and 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. When the pain of change, the fear of change is exceeded by the pain of the ultimate change that we need, any internal change that we need, that's when we're willing to make that change. Do you remember the story of the lost son? They call him the prodigal son, but the lost son. And he went away from his father, he took what he had to do, spent it all on, on indulgences, and finally found himself in a place where he was looking after pigs. Being a Middle Eastern person, being, being a Jewish uh, person, I can only assume that that was a, anathema, I mean, that's terrible for him to be in that situation. It got so bad that he was now eating the food that was offered to the pigs. He wasted everything he'd been given on foolish living, and until he was broken, miserable, and starving. He had to get a job feeding pigs, and he became so hungry that he was willing to even eat the pigs' food. But finally, but finally, he came to his senses. This is the moment we all need in different areas of our life. We need that change agent, that moment in time when we are sick of being sick ourselves. 
I know you're sick about certain areas of yourself. I know you feel horrible about it. I know you, it bugs you about it. But you need to get sick of being sick of. Are you with me? You need to get to a place where you're like, enough, yaar. something has to change. Until we get there, until the fear of change is surpassed, we are not going to make any changes. He says, why am I living like this? At my father's house, even the servants have better food than I do. Why am I sitting like this? So he decided that he's going to get up and go home to his father. Until your pain changes, until your perspective changes, until you have no other choice, you're not going to make a change. So the Bible says, Jesus says, if you're tired, if you're tired and carrying heavy burdens, this is not a warm welcome to everybody. It's a welcome to those who have gotten to a place where they have tired of carrying burdens that they don't realize they don't, that they realize they don't need to. Excuse me. That they realize that they don't need to. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you are tired. You see that word? Have you circled it? If you are tired. If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens. Three things God, Jesus wants you to do. Number one, come to me. Number two, learn from me. Uh, sorry, take my yoke. And number three, learn from me. Number one, come to me. Number two, take my yoke. And number three, learn from me. Simple verse, simple lesson this morning. But if you do something about it, your life will never be the same again. Number one is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. What does that even mean? Jesus said, if you are tired, okay, you've gotten to a fed up point. You've gotten to a place where you're like, you know what? That's enough. I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need help. I've been giving excuses long enough. I need help. I've been fooling myself long enough. I need help. Once you get to that point, if you're tired and carrying burdens, you do not want to bear anymore. Come to me. Why, Jesus? Why should I come to you? What's great about Christ that you can come to him with burdens that you carry? I'll tell you what. Because he doesn't say, come to me and I will give you religion. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll take you on recreation. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll give you some relief. He says, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. So he realizes or he teaches us in this truth that there is an inner need. There is a spiritual need and there is a spiritual health that if maintained, I'm able to handle a lot more. So there is a certain food that only Jesus can give that nobody else can give. I, say it, I said it before, I'll say it to you again. When we feel hungry on the inside, when our spirit feels hungry and we don't know where to stop, where to fill our tank from, what to fill our tank with, we don't know, we compensate with sex. We compensate with alcohol. We compensate with indulgences. We compensate with running away, getting away. We call it holidays. We compensate with busyness. We compensate with self-loathing. We compensate with bringing more people into our lives or some habits or patterns that eventually get us to not think about it anymore. Somehow that we, are, we feel for the moment full, therefore we think we're doing okay. But you're going to be hungry again. And because you have been eating of the wrong food, you are now addicted to the wrong food. Because if you keep eating potato chips, you're going to keep wanting more potato chips. If you keep eating ice cream, you're going to want more ice cream. I've learned this. If you keep eating fatty foods and fried foods, you're going to want that. But if you learn to eat cucumber, and if you learn to eat healthy foods, and if you learn to, your system to eat the right foods, that's what your body's going to ask for. We don't know what we need. 
Stop being so proud. Stop being so arrogant. Stop being so self-reliant. You don't know what you need. It's like a little baby who wants to go on its, off on its own and doesn't know that the mother knows what it needs. It's like a soldier who's gone on his own trip and doesn't know that the sergeant knows what he needs. We are people who just, we are hungry and we are filling it with all sorts of other things but so arrogant to not stop and ask, why do I keep getting hungry again? Because your body is supposed to get hungry again in a 24-hour period. You're supposed to have one complete meal and, and hajamofai it. What is the English word for it? Digest it. You're supposed to digest it. You know you're supposed to do that. And then the next day, you eat again. So your body is supposed to run out of the battery and start again. Even emotions. But your spirit was never meant to run on empty. Never meant to run on half. And you've got to understand that God created you as an eternal being. God created you as a human being. God created you not as a machine. Your body is a machine, but you are an eternal person. And the life-giving power that comes from God, His Word, His living Word, is what fuels my body, sorry, my, my spirit. And if I don't fuel my spirit, I'm going to compensate with my body and my emotions. Do you get that? Do you get that? I know it sounds like cheap psychology, but... Once you understand that if my spirit, and you have more reason to understand it because you are spiritually alive. You know God and you need to come to a place where you say, you know what, enough is enough. I need to start filling myself with the food that my spirit really needs. Compensating for it is not going to do very well. If you're tired, come to me. What does Jesus offer? He offers you rest. What is rest? It's not sleep. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For six days he created the earth, and on the seventh day he went to sleep. No, he rested. Now why does God need to rest? Why is rest a biblical concept? Why is rest a God-given concept? Because rest is when you bring rhythm into your life. Rest is when you bring purpose into your life. Rest is when you bring an end to have a new beginning. When you bring death so that you can have life. Is anybody with me? Rest is that moment in, in, in music when you come to the end of a bar, when you come to the end of a string, eight bars or 16 bars, and there is a rest. And you realize one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rest. One, two, three, four. That's what your life should be like. But what is our life like? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty, twenty-one, 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 twenty-one. Christmas. And then you wonder why you're tired. And you wonder why you're, all, you're irritable, you're not able to handle things, and everything gets on your nerves. He says he gives power to those. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. You see that verse on your screen? He gives tired to those who are tired and worn out. And he offers strength to the weak. He knows that your spirit can get weak. He knows that your spirit can run out, drain out of energy, drain out of life. And he knows the food that, need, that you need. He knows that you, what you need is purpose. What you need is truth. What you need is 
His company, the company of God himself, because he is the life-giving. What, what you need is his voice. What you need is purpose. What you need is identity, a, a rescripted identity every day, a reassurance of identity every day. He knows what you need. He knows you need rest. And when you come to Jesus, he gives you rhythm, and he gives you purpose, and he gives you an inner filling that nothing else can fill. He gives you peace that passes all understanding. He gives you a certain fullness on the inside and you're not just coping anymore. Now you're really able to live. Now you can be in the moment. You can actually be present and you don't have to have regrets of I wish I had spent more time with my three-year-old son. I wish I had spent more time with my wife when, when we were in our early years of marriage. I wish I had spent less time at work, more time with my family. I wish I had exercised more when I was in my third. You will not have regrets. You'll be able to live more in the present. When he says come to Jesus, it's not because he wants to give you something to do, give you five ways to fix your life, give you another set of things to make you feel more guilty. He comes to you to pick you up and give you rest. Pick you up and give you rest. He gives power to those who are tired. That means those who come to the fact that I need you, Jesus. I am not full. I need you. I have lots of things that could possibly fill me for the moment, but it will never really fill what I really need. You have what I really need. I'm coming to you, Christ. Let me quote the devil. Are I allowed to quote the devil? The devil says, God helps those who help themselves. End quote. Because it is the devil who wants you to live self-reliant. He's the one who does not want you to live a life of dependence on God. He knows that if you live off God, if you draw from God, if you're strengthened daily by his presence and by his word, by his truth, if you allow the rema, the, the breath of God into you, an ongoing sustenance of the breath of life into you, then you are indefeatable. You are unapproachable. You are inaccessible. You are untemptable. He knows that. So he says, God helps those who help themselves. So live as self-reliant as possibly can. And when you have absolutely done everything and failed at everything, then go to God. Now, which human being has ever done that? God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who come to him when they recognize the fact that only he has the food that fills them. Number one is come to Jesus. Number two is just that. Give up control. Take my yoke upon you, he says. Take my yoke upon you. That word yoke is very interesting. The purpose of a yoke is to lighten the load. It's to lighten the load. Now, when you look at your relative and you're carrying heavy burdens and you look at him you're not carrying anything. Why can't you help me? Didn't you say that? Didn't you say that? And Jesus is saying to you, I'm not carrying anything. I don't have any burdens. I'm God. I'm cool. Give me your burdens. Let me share your burden with you. And he lightens the Lord. He lightens the Lord. And he says, my yoke is easy. It rests easy. It takes two oxen to, to share a yoke. And, and the burden is divided 50-50. And when you go 50-50 with God, it's kind of 100 and 0. He carries you. He carries you. 
pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load for you. When you are yoked with Jesus, you move together in the same direction and you keep pace with him. How do you keep pace with the Holy Spirit? How do you keep pace with God so that he carries you? You keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25. This is what I teach about throughout the year. How to walk with him, how to stay in step with him, how to live off him, live off his energy, live off his power, live off his, be God-fueled for goodness sake. Be God-fueled, be spirit-fueled, and learn that your spirit will never enjoy the food that the body or the emotions enjoy. Your spirit will never be satisfied with the food that your body and your mind and your heart enjoys. Your spirit wants what the spirit wants. Deep calls to deep, the Bible says. Our lives get in step with God when we let him set the pace. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. So the first thing Jesus says is, what does he say? Come to me. I'm the one who's got it. Number two, he says, give up control. Take my yoke upon you. Be willing to share the control of your life with me and I will lift you. I will carry you. Number three, he says, if you want to know how to do this, then learn from me. Learn from me. Learn to trust me. He says in verse 29, second half, he says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. So if you learn from me, you learn this gentleness and humility, you will find rest. That's what your soul needs. You will find rest for your soul. But my goodness, has gentleness and humility ever helped? <laughs> has gentleness and humility ever helped? What is Jesus talking about? Gentle and humble? That's not going to cut it. Have you been to my workplace? Have you met my boss? Have you been in my city? Have you driven in Delhi roads? Gentle and humble? Right. That's going to work. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying that gentle, being gentle and being humble are antidotes to two great causes of stress. Antidotes to two great causes of stress. Number one is aggression and number two is arrogance. Number one is aggression and number two is arrogance. Aggression is don't wait. Want it now. Make it happen. Monday morning. See it on my desk. I want it done. And you are aggressive because that's what you've been taught is the, is, the, is, the, is the mode of success. That's what you've been taught is the method of success. You make it happen. Make people leave their families, leave their personal lives, do what you have to do. Magic if they have to. May have it on my desk 9 o'clock Monday morning. Aggressive. Everything is abrasive, aggressive. You have to talk to your servants that way. Talk to the autowala that way. Talk to the, uh, to, the, to the subordinates that way. You have to be aggressive. Otherwise, it's not We've been taught it. We've been, we've been conditioned to behave like that. The same sweet person from church, you meet them in their workplace. And you wonder... What happened? We don't wait. We don't pause. We don't consider aggression. Number two is arrogance. An antidote you need for these two things. Arrogance is we want to control everything. We want to take more on. I can do it myself. I must do everything myself. Don't delegate. I can't trust others to do. I can't let their incompetence, let their laziness, let their uh, ignorance affect my success. Arrogance is saying, I want to control everything and every variable in my life. My ego is more responsible for the stress in my life than anybody else. Come on, humbly accept it. 
It's not other people that are stressing you out. Your ego is the reason for your aggression and for your arrogance. The more arrogant you are, the more stressed you're going to be. Why? Because you're trying to run the world from this little heart of yours. We are forced to believe that being aggressive and being arrogant will get us ahead and make us succeed. If we're gentle and we're humble, what's going to happen? They're going to walk all over us. No one's going to take us seriously. I'm not going to get respected. I'm not going to get... But Jesus says, you learn from me. And he is the CEO of the universe, just in case you haven't read his profile. He does run the world. The atom, they say that everything is rock solid, but it's all actually moving. And now day will come when Jesus will just say the word, read it in Revelations. He will say the word and the atom will come apart and everything will just fizzle out. Everything will just, whether it's rock hard or whether it's gas, it will just fizzle out. He holds the atom and the structure of every molecule in its place. Aggression and arrogance, you learn from me. Since the Lord is directing our steps, we try to understand everything that happens along the way. Since the Lord is directing our steps, we try to understand everything that has happened already. Let me finish with a beautiful verse. It says in Psalm 142 verse 3, When I am ready to give up, when I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Isn't that beautiful? When I come to, my, to the end of my tether, when I come to the end of my rope, when I come to the end of my week, he knows what I should do. If you're not in a relationship with God, if you're not spiritually alive to God, then you cannot eat off the table of God. You cannot eat and receive the strength or the life-giving power of God. Because when God created Adam and Adam sinned, in that day Adam died. That means he became disconnected from God. So his spirit became dead to God. Now the body and the emotions took over. And ever since, his body and his emotions have been dictating how he should live and why he should live and for whom he should live. But when your spirit comes to life, your spirit needs to walk in the cool of the day daily with God. Your spirit needs to be in the presence of God. Your spirit needs the rima, the word of God spoken to you directly. Your spirit needs the company of God that you were created to be in sync. You were created to be in fellowship with God, connected to God and joined with God. And God sent the Lord Jesus to the earth to shed his blood so that having remissioned our sin, having, uh, having washed our sin clean, you are now made alive, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, you are made alive again so that once again you are brought in fellowship with the Father. So you will never be hungry again. Your spirit will never be hungry again. Your spirit doesn't have to run on half anymore. Your spirit doesn't have to compensate with food that was for the flesh, with food that is for the emotions, with busyness that keeps your life moving forward here on earth. You need to realize, you need to come to a place where the if matters to you. If you are tired, if you are tired. So are you sick of, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Many of you are young people here. You've got a long way before you'll be sick and tired of anything. But what if you learned early in your life to draw from God? To draw from the well of life? What if you learned early that your spirit was actually meant to be in fellowship with God and that if my spirit is on full, then my body and my emotions can have a daily routine 
and rest and day and rest and day and rest and day and I could go through life enjoying every day, every person, every issue, every purpose in my life if my spirit is full. When my spirit is hungry, when my spirit is not running on a full tank, that's when I overcompensate. That's when I feed myself chips. Because at least you feel full. You know? Everybody's okay? Lord, we need you. But we don't know it yet. Lord, we're tired. But we haven't come to that point yet. Why is it, Lord, that everything has to fall apart before we learn that the foundation was not physical? The foundation of our lives was not emotional. The foundation of our life is a spiritual foundation. The foundation of our life is a relationship with the great spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself. That the foundation of our life is actually an eternal existence that is temporary here on earth, but eternal by quality and purpose. You can do it, Lord. You are the master communicator. Whether a person is here in his 60s or whether they're, they're here in their teens, you can tell us. You can get through. You can communicate to the hardest, most calloused, most distracted heart. And you can say those words afresh today. And we could hear those words and respond to those words. Come. Come to me, those who are heavy laden. Keep coming to me. No matter how many times you come, I will never get sick of it. I will never get fed up of your coming to me, of your feeding from me. So teach us, no matter what age, no matter what we've gone through, to be spiritually healthy, to run on a full tank, and to leave, our, leave to our bodies and, us and our minds and heart just what it was meant to do. Get us around here on earth. Thank you, Father God. Thank you so much for this beautiful lesson today, for the beautiful scriptures, and the fact that the words came straight out of your mouth. While you were on earth in the flesh, you said, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. I dare the people sitting in front of me, oh God, to test you on this and to come out the other end as in incredible witnesses to the fact that this is true. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.